From Faith to Faith, Daily Devotional, April 1st and 2nd, Let Your Life Shout by Kenny Copeland. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They are done abominable works. There is none that do it good. Psalm 14.1 Most of us would never dream this verse could apply to us. After all, we're believers. We never say that there is no God. But maybe, maybe we should think again. Is it true that with our mouth we would never say something like that? But don't we say something, say, say it with our actions? We say it by sinning just a little here and there and thinking it won't matter. We'll go to an immoral movie and have a gossip session about the pastor or anyone ignoring God's command to the contrary. With our actions, we're saying there is no God. Psalm 14.1 connects that kind of thing of corruption, whether you realize it or not. The more you act that way, the more corrupt you're going to become. Don't make the foolish mistake of publicly proclaiming Jesus as your Lord and then privately denying him one little action at a time. Use wisdom in everything you do so that both you, your heart, and your life should shout loudly. My God reigns. Reading Psalm 14, verse 1 and 15, 1 through 5. Okay, let's go over there. Psalm 14, verse 1 and 15, 1 through 5. Loading up my Bible. Here we go, Psalms 14. Thank you, everyone. One through seven. Only the withering soul would say to himself, there's no God. Anyone who thinks like this is corrupt and callous, devoid of what is good. The Lord, look, God, looks down in love, looking over all of Adam's sons and daughters. He's looking to see if there's anyone who acts wisely any who are searching for God and wanting to please him. No, but everyone has wandered astray, walking stubbornly toward evil. Not one is good. He can't even find one. They live in luxury while exploiting people. Won't these workers of wickedness ever learn? They don't ever think of praying to God. But look at them now in panic, trembling with terror overwhelmed with dread. For God is on the side of his godly seekers and loved ones. The Lord is always the safest place for the poor when the workers of wickedness oppress them. How I wish that Israel's rescue would arise from the midst of Zion. When the Lord restores his people, Jacob's joy will break forth and Israel will be glad. Amen. Psalm 15, 1 through 5. The Lord who dares to dwell with you, who presumes the privilege of being close to you, living next to you in your shining place of glory. They are passionate and wholehearted, always sincere and always speaking the truth. For their hearts are trustworthy. They refuse to slander or insult others. 
They'll never listen to gossip or rumors, nor will they ever harm a friend with their words. They will despise evil, and evil workers will commending the faithful ones who follow after truth. They make firm commitments and follow through, even at great cost. They never crush others with exploitation, and they will never be bought with a bribe. Against the innocent, those who do these things will never be shaken. They will stand forever. Amen. And now let's go to April the 2nd. What a Future by Kenneth Copeland. <clears throat> let's go ahead and pray. God, Lord, we turn our lives and our wills over to you, Lord. Have your way, Lord, this day. Have your way, Lord, with us. We thank you. We give you our time, our efforts, Lord, that we may be transformed into joyous, enthusiastic, well, individuals, that we may be of help to people, Lord, and convince them of the way, the truth, and the life, which is Jesus Christ. Help us demonstrate your love and your kindness, Lord, as we work towards you. Give us the strength and the resources we need to go forward. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. So be it. Be established. What a future. Scripture for today is Ephesians 2, 6 and 7. God has raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Amen. In the ages to come, he may show us the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and take the privilege of reading that in the um, the Passion Translation. See what um, how it comes out. It's really interesting. Two, six, and seven. And that says, He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and was ascended with him. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ. For by grace you have been saved by faith, nothing you did could ever during the salvation, for it was the love gift of God who brought us to Christ. Amen and amen. Woo, I'm sure glad we went over there to see that. Kenny Copeland goes on to say, All of my life, people told me the reason God saved us was so that when we go to glory, we could spend the rest of eternity loving Him and worship Him. But you know, that is just not so. It sounds pretty good, but it's just something someone made up. God isn't selfish. He's just the opposite. He's the ultimate giver, the ultimate lover. He doesn't do anything just so He can get something in return. 
Why then did he save us? The word of God tells us he did it so that in the ages to come, he could show us the exceeding riches of his grace. <laughs> Think about that. God is going to spend eternity showing the riches of his grace to you and me. Hallelujah. That's why he sent Jesus into the world. So he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God gave Jesus so that he wouldn't be his only son. He sent Jesus so he could have more sons to love and to give. And he plans to spend the eons of time doing just that. As a believer, you have the most glorious future ahead of you that anyone could ever ask. But don't wait until you get to glory to enjoy it. You can start right now. you already been seated. Hallelujah. Oh, man, let's praise God. Hallelujah. Let's read the whole thing. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 8. God's power raised us from the dead. And his fullness fill you. Even though you were once like corpse, dead in your sins and offenses, it wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, custom, and values of this world, obeying the dark rulers of the earthly realm who filled the atmosphere with his authority and worked diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. The corruption was that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We live by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead in doom in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raises up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. Throughout the coming ages, we will be the visible display of the infinite riches of his grace and kindness, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. In Jesus Christ, excuse me. For by grace, you have been saved by faith. Nothing you did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the loving gift from God that brought us to Christ. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord God for his love and his compassion in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and read the <clears throat> one more. The uh, April the 3rd, might as well. Huh? These are short ones from Kenny Copeland. Faith2Faith.org. This is free to the public. Born again, Kenny Copeland. John 3, 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again? Do you know what Jesus had in mind when he said these two words to Nicodemus? He was talking covenant talk. He was telling Nicodemus what it means to have a covenant agreement with God. Let me paint the picture. I believe was in Jesus' mind, imagine a baby, a little baby born of an unwed mother. Mother. No one knows who his daddy is and no one wants to know. He is a child no one wants. He doesn't belong to anyone. Now picture the best kind of family you can think of. 
a family that loves God. That man has a good job. They're blessed financially. They're givers and lovers of people, and they fall in love with this baby. Before long, they adopted it. What's happened? The baby was reborn. He got a new set of parents. Through adoption, he has now become an heir. Why not? Because of anything the baby has done? Not because of anything the baby has done. Those parents didn't say, I want you to look at that baby. I'm so impressed with all that child has done for us. He certainly earned our love and respect. No, it's a baby. It is a baby. I couldn't have done anything to earn. It couldn't have done anything to earn its new life. This man and this woman agreed together out of the love in their hearts and bestowed grace on that child. Now he has access to everything they have. When they offer him a bottle, he doesn't knock the bottle away and say, I'm so humble and undeserving, just give me water. Of course not. That baby acts like part of the family and not just part of the family, but the best part of the family. Because in Jesus' day, a covenant or adopted child can have the same birthright as the firstborn son. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, you must be born again. He was talking about grace. He was talking about a new relationship of favor, a new family, a new authority, a new power. If you feel unworthy to receive the right blessings God has for you today, think about that. Meditate on it. So instead of worrying about and struggling with the needs of your life, you can just walk boldly into the throne room of your father and receive help to get those needs met. Discover what it really means to be a blood-bought child of Almighty God. With a big brother like Jesus, discover what it means to be born again. Reading from John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Here we go. John, verse 3, 1 through 8. Now there was a prominent religious leader among the Jews named Nicodemus, who was part of the sect called the Pharisees. Amen. One night, he discreetly came to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power is with him. Jesus answered, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can even perceive God's kingdom, they must first experience a rebirth. Nicodemus said, Rebirth? How can a gray-headed man be reborn? It's impossible for anyone to go back into the womb of a second time to be reborn. Jesus answered, I speak an eternal truth. Unless you are born of water and the Spirit, you will never enter God's kingdom. For the natural realm only gives birth to things that are unnatural. Excuse me. For the natural realm only gives birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to supernatural life. You would be amazed by my statement, you'll almost be born from above. For the spirit wind blows as it chooses. You can hear the sound, but you don't know where it comes 
or for where it's going. So it is the same with those who are spirit-born. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.